When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I am Patrick Lyons. I am Susie Hunter. And guys, check it out. It is a hashtag Bernie Boy Summer. We have Winter Bernard of the Albuquerque Isotopes here with us today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. I like the little intro song. I was I was about to start rapping on that. Do you do a little freestyling on the side there? Is this that. A, is that a <laughs> hobby of yours? I was I was doing it in my head. Okay. Um. Okay. So in the off season, we're gonna have you do that. You're gonna make a rap for our show, and I'm that would be amazing. Hundred percent in. <laughs> yes. You've, you're very talented. I mean, there's almost nothing you can do there. Uh, you cannot do so. <laughs> thanks, Patrick. Uh, I think that's fitting. You're two-time guest now of the DNVR Rockies podcast. I know. You're an elite company already. You're an elite company. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Unfortunately, I haven't seen that episode because it was before I existed here. Mm. I didn't know. Now that's, I know. I'm going to have to go back and look for it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, we, we packed a lot. We, we went down the rabbit hole. We went, did Family Feud. We did talking about the stolen base club and, and, you know, we got to get Ricky Henderson linked up with you somehow. Yeah. There's, there was a lot that we unpacked there uh, for that. It's, it was funny. So when I was getting ready for the show, picking out my outfit, what kind of shirt do I want to go with? And I remembered I haven't in a while worn this, this certain isotope shirt from five years ago. And it was like the 15th anniversary of the lab, which made me think like, wow, that ballpark is 20 years old down there in Albuquerque. And does that surprise you to hear that it's 20 years old? It is kind of crazy. I mean, Dave Stewart came uh, the other day and I was like, Dave Stewart pitched here? You know what I mean? I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it does it does surprise me though, but it, it's so nice though. You know, they did a good job upkeeping it. And I mean, there's fans at every single game. So it's, it's surprising that it is that old. Yeah, such a such a beautiful facility that they've uh, that they've built there, and uh, I hope when when you were talking with Dave Stewart, did you get Ricky Henderson's number from him? I mean, that I was not. your shot right there. I did not. I didn't get his ah. number. I know, but I had a, I had a good combo with him. He was actually uh, my former agent, so it was good to it was good to catch up with him. And then I know I think he was in Albuquerque. It was before the stadium was obviously built, but it was pretty cool to hear the stories like how he played here. And I told him that my brother went to UNM. He's like, I knew that. So, pretty good stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, the baseball family and community is is so small in, in that way where you might be meeting someone for the first time, but they know about you and and you know you you've looked up to that person. Uh, that's that's been a cool thing for you. I imagine that you've been uh, experiencing a lot here because people are paying attention to the Winton Bernard story and and uh, everyone here in Denver's is pulling for you and and rooting for you. How much has that love you know not only just trickled down from Denver? to Albuquerque, but the fans in Albuquerque in supporting not just the team, but you in particular, because, you know, you're, you're very much a fan favorite. 
Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, um, my neighbor came up to me yesterday. She's like, I heard you hit a grand slam. And I was like, where, where'd you hear that from? And she's like, well, I was walking my dog in the park and some random guy was telling me he, how he went to an isotopes game. And then she's like, you need to know about this guy, Wynton Bernard. He had a grand slam last night. He's having a great year. And she's like, well, that's my neighbor. And she started bragging about me. <laughs> so it's pretty cool, like, just to hear those stories. And like, like you said, around the ballpark, um, everybody's been super supportive. And I've, I've connected with a couple kids that are going to be following me and they continue to follow me. So that's, I think that's the best part is, is being around the kids. Is there anything that feels better than hitting a grand slam? Nothing. Absolutely not. That was the only, that was the second one I've hit in my whole life. And the first one I hit, uh, it was in, it was in double A Tennessee. I was rounding the bases and I was so excited. It was the first one I ever hit. I, I jumped in the air around third base and then I like tumbled. It was so funny. I was on ESPN and everything for it. And then this was my second one. Um, and it just, it felt just as good. It's just like, you know, it's the biggest hit in baseball, especially where I think it was the fourth inning. Like, it was a pretty big situation. So to come up for the team like that was huge. I love that. Did you, did you think at some point when you were rounding third base, like, oh, man, I got to top this. I, I got – this is my second <laughs> shot at being on ESPN. You do a backflip, front – like, was there any thought of, like, how do I amp it up? Or, again, you're you're AAA guy looking to, to make the bridge to the majors. <laughs> you just got to act like you've been there before because, hey, literally, you have. I know, right? I was like, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. <laughs> that would be me if I were ever in that situation. We had a home run derby amongst like our company a couple of weeks ago, and like just hitting one on a blitz ball was like a huge deal for me. See, another feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. We're right. the same. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so so this season, you know, you guys have been playing, you know, really solid, and and, and you've been there for, you know, a lot of these guys. Uh, we're, we're starting to see some of the players from Double A come up uh, there there to Triple A. You obviously defense incredibly strong there. No no plays up on the hill just yet, right? I don't think I've, I've had seen a couple, any but, but nothing too exciting yet. Nothing like I had last year. But I, I mean, I have had my fair share of uh, of plays, but they've been almost like a little bit more routine, or they look routine, you know. Do you ever like, you know, during batting practice or whatever, you know, take a look at the opposing team going up there to like marvel at it and look at it and like, you know, <laughs> grimace, scratch their head and talk with some of the other players of like, seriously, what, what is this thing out the top slope in center field? Like, have, have you encountered other players and, uh, and kind of their uh, frustration with it for lack of a better term? Because it's oh, challenging sure. to play. It is. You can see it too on their faces because the pitcher's mad. And then the center fielder get mad that they don't catch the ball. Um, no, like, huge conversations, but conversations with my teammates. You know, a lot of the infielders or the pitchers will go out during BP, and they'll stand in center field to see how it is. And then I think they have a lot of respect for me or whoever's playing center. Like, these are some tough plays, you know? And they try to catch them during P. Guys are falling. So I'm used to it now, but it definitely took a while to get used to. Now, I know this hill exists, but why does it exist? Do we know why? Great question. We don't. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's absolutely just for the look. But um, the for rumor the aesthetic? is going away uh, next year. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's just for, like, the look of the field. Make it unique. Wait, did you say that it's going away next year? That's the that's on the rumor mill. Oh, wow. Okay. I, 
we had not heard that rumor yet. All right, this yeah. is this is good. I talked to this the ground crew that it's. Well, I think MLB is taking it away. You know how they're changing everything next year, and like a lot of the minor league ballparks, I think they're adding like more weight rooms or they're doing something, and then the field has to be completely safe. So it's kind of a safety hazard. I could see <laughs> That's that. Nice. A huge yeah. hill in the middle of your field, a safety hazard. This is new information. You're right. Wow, that yeah, that's pretty wild too. And they're 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 letting it know, letting you know now while you're still playing. There, oh no no, finish out this string of games there, Winton. Um, it's totally unsafe. We're gonna fix it next year, but you're still here, so you got to deal with it. Like what what gets? <laughs> Is that exactly? <laughs> and let me tell you guys, there's been like three or four times where I've actually like, I've literally fell just just ate it looking embarrassed and everything just because it's tough it's it's so steep and a lot of people don't realize that and so you're so concentrated on the ball that you forget how steep it is wow it might be harder to catch a fly ball if they put the weight room out in center field now going through all the equipment <laughs> yeah maybe i got an old yankee stadium on my brain where they used to have the monuments out there sure. uh, but then if every ballpark has that in center field i mean now you've got an advantage because you've done it already exactly Wow. Folks, you heard it here first. To the hill, we may be saying goodbye to it. Um, we would need I to go do. do a whole tribute if that is what's happening. <laughs> a funeral. For sure. <laughs> That's amazing. Hey, Carl Kaufman's on the hill for you guys uh, tonight, Tuesday night. How nice the has he hill. been since coming up from uh, the Hartford Yard Goods? Man, I was talking to Jimmy um, the other day. <laughs> and he, he was playing left field. I was like, does his stuff always move this much? Like, geez, his his slider, and I guess it's his two-seamer. Everything, everything's moving. So, man, he's he's good. He's going to be really, really special. Good pitcher. Yeah, he, I, you know, I imagine you guys don't always know the backstory on uh, all your teammates and stuff, but he had to get shut down immediately once he was drafted in 2019. And then 2020, obviously, everyone lost the season. So he had two years where he didn't play. He made his debut in double a last year and was challenged. So uh, it's good to hear that, that his stuff has been uh, so effective as like a one ERA since he's been called up. Uh, that's been fantastic. You got your 23 stolen bases in two caught stealings. How much do those two caught stealings keep you up at night? <laughs> or have you figured out how to put those things out of your head? Cause again, you're a whiz on the base path. Yeah, obviously. I mean, one of the situations, it was really, really my fault. Uh, you know, it was a, it's a situation where I probably shouldn't have went, but I, I was antsy to go. You know, you get hungry out there. You want to win. You want to compete. You want to get to the next base every time. And um, the first one really bothers me because we were playing against uh, Sugarland, and that was another big situation where I really needed to get in scoring position. I think it was a tie ball game, and I was out just you know just by this much. So anytime you get caught, I mean, obviously it's in the back of your head, but you work on ways to improve. So uh, actually during the All Star break. On my last day, I worked with one of my friends and we just went over like the proper footwork. And I told him, I was like, I've got caught in a couple of times, but I want to, you know, keep this thing rolling. So um, we worked on a couple of things and I think it's going to help me for for the second half. But like you said, it does eat at me, man. Like, you know, you, you, you got to forget about it. But at the same time, you want to I mean, who doesn't want to be perfect in the game? You can't be perfect, but you want to be. I mean, as someone who's never gotten over anything ever, I can appreciate that. So I get it. Worst wins. I'm right, I'm right there with you.
it's funny how when you look up and down a coaching staff, there's there's all kinds of different jobs. There's like quality assurance now, but there's never any base running coaches like specifically for that. And you think again, the hitting coach, first base coach, whatever kind of has that. At the same time, you know, do players, you know, actively come up to you, your teammates to say like, you know, pick up those things. I mean, I, I imagine again with your experience uh, and not just ability level, but experience, you know, you're, you're almost like a coach out there for guys. Do they come up to you and, and try to pick your brain a little bit about some of those intricacies and details and being a successful base dealer? Yeah, for sure. I know uh, me and Ryan delayed. We have a couple conversations about it. Um, I know Coco just asked me recently. He's like, how do you slide? Cause I, I actually learned it from um, my manager pointed out that Terrence Gore would do it. He goes in the base so hard and it's kind of like at the last second, but he doesn't lose speed. So a lot of guys slide really early. And I think I used to do that early in my career. I would slide so early that I would lose speed. So I kind of learned a way to like, it's almost like a pop-up slide, but I go in really, really hard, but it, I don't lose speed. So like teaching those guys, just like the little nuances that they had never heard before. And I had never heard before a couple of years ago. I'm thankful that, you know, my manager pointed it out, but any little thing, because there's so many bang, bang plays in baseball, like any little thing could help you, but I like helping the guys out when they ask. Yeah. I imagine it too. When you're sliding, you're, you're putting the brakes on and you don't want to, you don't want to come to a complete stop immediately when you reach second base, when you're sliding to your point, you kind of want to still be at your normal full speed on the slide when you hit the bag. So maybe you're holding on to it for dear life. How has that transition been, you know, from, essentially 2019 to 2021 where they went with those bigger bases. Has that been easier uh, for your game and in, in, in stealing bases in that late slide? You know, what's weird is like, I, I had this uh, briefly in, in, in indie ball too, but it, I don't really notice a big difference. I noticed, I mean, just for stealing bases. So it, it, I can't really tell, but I guess, you know, it's three inches closer. So I'm, I'm getting there sooner. <laughs> which is helpful, but um, I honestly really haven't noticed a difference. Yeah, speaking of, I guess, how are all of those little changes that have been added on in the past years, past couple of seasons? Um, what What's your take on all of the different little things? Some of them are good, some of them are bad. I'd say I do actually like the bigger bases, okay? Um, it's easier to hit the base when you're rounding it. So, like, if I hit a double, I know I can hit the inside corner, and it's bigger to see, so you... <laughs> You have a lot of guys who used to miss the base for some reason. We're all professional baseball players. I've done it before, too. But we've missed the base, and then we have to go back. But now it's, like, impossible. It looks like a huge pillow. Um, oh. The robot umpires, <laughs> I'm, like, 50-50 on it. There's been times where it's, like, so far on the corner, the pitcher's missed by so much, you miss the human element. Like, the umpire would never call that a strike. On the other hand, like, a ball off the plate that's usually called a strike you know, the robot umpire is basically like, no, you know, that's a ball. So it has its benefits and it has its, you know, doubts. But I think I think it'll be good if they fix it. A like maybe just tweak it just a little bit, um, especially on the like the low pitches. Sometimes guys throw curveballs and umpires would never call it a strike. Catchers catching it terrible and they call it a strike. So if they could fix that, I think it'll be good. Have you found that the uh, the system that they use is pretty fair to either the shortest guy and the tallest guy, because that's, you know, different size strike zones, depending on your height. Have you found that it's, it's plays pretty true, you know, depending on which extreme you are really tall or really short. I was interested in that too. I know we played against Taylor Jones last week and he's like six, seven. I'm like, how do they do this? I know they measured us in spring training, our strike zones, 
but it's like when guys come down from the big leagues, do they have, cause I don't think they got measured in spring training. So what zone are they kind of going off? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's, if it's true to those guys, like when, when Chris Bryant came down, did he get measured? There's no way. I don't think he got measured. And I know they were using like the robot umpires. So it's like, how is that fair for those guys who, you know, who are bouncing up and up and down? I think part of his contract negotiation, uh, there was a special stipulation saying, do not bring a tape measure anywhere near me to measure my strike zone because you cannot send me down to AAA if you're paying me this money. So right. you, might, you might be right. You might be yeah. right. <laughs> For legal purposes, this is a joke. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, so w- the strike zone normally we we think of it as like kind of the the knees to the to the chest or like the armpit. You know, there's there's different slogans and stuff. Where exactly did they measure that strike zone on you guys? So I think we stood up first. They measured our height, and it was kind of like you know knee to the the chest or like right under, basically like the sternum. I think that was. Everybody was different, though. I mean, everybody should have a different zone because their height, like their torsos are smaller or torsos are bigger. So. The more you know. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> That's a strange one. Now, you get you got a nice little uh, abode there behind you, a nice home. That's something that uh, I talked to Chad Smith uh, about just before the, the All-Star break is what's another one of the new things. That's an off-the-field change and adjustment is – uh, the housing has been taking care of you guys. How uh, how much of a benefit has that been, you know, for you and as well as, you know, some of maybe the, your younger teammates who, you know, don't quite have the same experience as you or, uh, you know, they're, they're not a, quite the same renaissance man that, that you are. How, how great is it having your, your housing taken care of and it's just a big thing that's that's off your plate that you don't have to worry about? It's definitely huge, man. It's like, I mean, I'm probably saving like $8,000 a year just from this housing and that goes a long way over the course of the season because you know there's stuff that we want to buy during the season whether it's batting gloves or bats um all that money you know we could spend more on baseball equipment um i know for me personally every single year every spring training it's like i have three days to find a place you know i don't know where i'm going until the last day of spring training and it's always a hassle so it's been a huge relief and i've had you know really no problems um moving into this place Maybe a couple on the first days, but after that, you know, I was all set. So it's it's been great. Three days to find. That sounds so stressful. What is the most stressful housing situation you've ever been in where you're like, am I going to have somewhere to go? <laughs> I think I was in uh, 2016. I was in Toledo. It was my first year in AAA. And a lot of the guys I played with were already older, so they had families. And I didn't understand. I was like, why are you guys staying with your family? Stay with your teammates, you know? And then uh, – I was down to like two or three guys and we we're all trying to look for a place. We we're going place to place. And some of the places we we're going to were just, just terrible. And we couldn't find anything. So I think we waited a full week. Then we we're on the road. We got back in town and we kind of did the same thing. We we're still looking for a place. We didn't have anything. And then by that time I was paying out of pocket at a hotel just in, until we found a place. So I think I spent like, you know, $500 when that could have went towards rent. But we ended up finding some place, you know, in downtown Toledo that was safe, good neighborhood. But it just took a while, and it's like we could have kind of tried to avoid all of that. Toledo, I'm I I've heard nothing but great things about Toledo, though. So this is crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you heard. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Toledo housing market. Yeah, there you go. 
Win Bernard DMs may be open. I, I I'm not sure, but <laughs> reach out if, if you need a place. He's got some tips for you. I know it's been a while, but but yeah. still, yeah. I, I again, it it just seems like it's one less thing that you have to worry about. Uh, and if you know you got teammates and stuff who can maybe ship something to you, and it, it's just probably a better situation overall. And I even imagine that the the team itself may have like you know a a copy of your keys if something happens, and they can kind of you know, take care of any situation and stuff that's going on. So it's really a much more of a, of a team effort literally and, and figuratively. So that again, it's not just on you to find a place with whatever other teammates are, are, are left behind. It definitely is, man. I'm, I like the direction everything's going to like this, you know, it should have happened a long time ago, but the fact is it's happening now. And so it's going to set us up for, you know, the players of the future who are just coming up. They're going to have no idea what we had to go through before. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like this movement to make sure minor league players are properly taken care of has just gained so much traction over the past few years. Um, I mean, how do you feel seeing all of the support from people who might not even known about the struggles that you guys go through? It's huge. I, I mean, I know that lawsuit a couple of days ago, I didn't read into it too much, but I know that, you know, there's a big payment that's supposed to come out. Maybe minor leaguers are going to get paid during spring training. Um, I don't mean personally, it's been, it's been hard. Like there's been times where, you know, I've had to ask my mom for money, especially early on in my career. Like, can I borrow some money? Cause I need to do this, this, and this. And then obviously after my first off season, I worked. So I was able to pay for a lot of things, but uh, maybe you guys can spend more time on their game versus having to work so much a different job. I worked in, you know, coaching kids or uh, I actually went back and coached my high school basketball team. Um, but I know other guys, they'll might do like construction or janitorial work. It's like, it's not even related to sports and they, they're, they're over here grinding. So hopefully, um, you know, like if, if guys are getting paid a little bit more, it'll help a lot, a lot. Yeah, for sure. You guys grind for sure. So you deserve it. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Second half here. We'll, we'll let you get going here, uh, Winton, but right. second half of the season, I mean, you guys got some, uh, some new dudes here in, in the clubhouse and Sean Bouchard, uh, it, it back at, back in action, doing some big things, Valade yourself. I mean, uh, there's a solid roster, Jonathan Morales, a uh, uh, catcher who's, you know, I don't think he's gotten enough uh, attention for how well he's played overall. I mean, you, you guys have a, a much improved club than last year. What can we expect from the isotopes in the second half? Uh, let's see. A lot of wins. And I, I, it, we look at Warren Schaefer, and he kind of wears up his emotions, too. Like, he's so humble about everything, but we know he wants to win. And he had a good talk with us in Sacramento after we lost a couple games. So I really like playing, you know, not only for myself and my family, but playing for my manager, too, and my teammates. So, like, seeing his emotions on his face and how bad he wants to win, like, pushes me to want to win even further. And you look at our lineup, or you go – like the last game we played, I was like, this is dangerous. You know, like every guy in our lineup, we're, we're dangerous. And if we just put everything together, I think we're going to win a lot of games. I love that. Well, make sure you tell Shafe and Sushan that we said hello. I definitely let will. Let you off of this call. All right, you guys. Awesome. Thank you so hey, much. We appreciate so time. much. Yeah, thank you. Man, the best. Absolutely the best. the best. I thought you were going to say, make sure you say hi to Brian Cranston and, and Aaron Paul this weekend. But No, no, that, I went with the real stars. No I went with the real stars, Josh Tucson and uh, Warren Schaefer. Very, very, very good friends of mine.
That's it. I, I would have gone with Jeff Grammer. Again, that's uh, I haven't talked to Jeff in a while, but he's he's another one of those Albuquerque stars. Did I um, tell did I tell you my recent Jeff Grammer story? No. <laughs> so um I think it was it might have been one of the Zoom post games. It was a Zoom post game. I think it was after someone's rehab start and I can't remember who. Senzatella. Maybe it was Senza. It probably was Senza. Um, but I was in the call, got to see Warren Schaefer again. Of course, I know him from back in Hartford when he was managing the Yard Goats. Um, so it was just, it was a lot of fun being in there. And then at one point, Jeff goes, he's he's asking like some question for some story that he's working on. But it sounded like he said, how do you feel about thongs at the ballpark? He was actually saying songs. But the way my face and Schaefer's face absolutely dropped we're just like what 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 and then he keeps like asking the question and we're like oh you're talking you said songs you said songs but like sheer panic for about like 10 to 15 seconds before we figured out what he was talking about and it was hysterical Yeah, Schaefer's, it's funny because we think of the minor leagues as as being a place for developing prospects and guys you're going to see up on the Rockies, in the majors, in the outfield, uh, at, at Coors Field, and in the infield, et cetera, et cetera. But like Warren Schaefer's legitimately as a very young manager himself, he's not even 40. I think he might be like 36. I think, say. I was going to say, I feel like he's like my age. <laughs> Yeah, he's, like young. he's so young, and he looks like a ball player too. That's the other thing too. He's he's in great shape, and so him uh, and even Kristen Norfia down in in Double A Hartford, like those, even the coaches, you got to kind of keep your eye on just a little bit because they are someone that could help uh, contribute to uh, the Rockies coaching staff going forward. Uh, much like you know Zach Stevens, Ryan Konigsberg, Henry Chisholm, they're contributing to the Broncos beat right now over on the DNVR.com, where it's only fifty cents for your first month. Man, training camp. It's here, down in Dove Valley. It's going down, so get in the know on everything going down with the Denver Broncos. Of course, we got our guy, Adam Marez, Harrison Wynn, doing it over there, uh, covering the Denver Nuggets, the Avalanche. I mean, they've got a slew. I don't even want to mention anyone because I'm going to leave them out. they got like four or five folks over there crushing it. I will mention Mangy Angley because she was yeah. on our show. Uh, and people really love that episode, and that's got a lot of hits. I mean, we basically said, hey, here's the model for the Rockies, how to become successful based on what the Colorado Avalanche has done. And you can actually go back, check that out on our YouTube channel, uh, DNVR Sports. But again, 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. And if you're ready to go all in, you get a free shirt from DNVRlocker.com. And you get some great access to the members-only Discord where we're throwing out trade proposals there in the Rockies chat. We're talking about different things. It, it, it's a lot of fun, and it's only at the DNVR.com. When you're at home, relax with a Breckenridge Brew Avalanche Ale. They were so kind to give away all those tickets all throughout the playoffs, including the Stanley Cup. They're giving away gear. Again, that was all to support the drink of the season, Avalanche Ale. Look, when you raise Lord Stanley's Cup, it is your drink all year long, so make sure you support them because they support us. Breckenridge Brew and Avalanche Ale. As I said at the beginning, the action never stops on DraftKings Sportsbook throughout the summer. Beat the heat like never before with on DraftKings Sportsbook. A very special offer of a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. You make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. It's fantastic. Baseball, golf, MMA. Susie, during the pandemic, did you find yourself kind of dabbling in 
ping pong of like Russian ping pong. All right, let me let me at least do like a little bit of research to see if I can make like. Did you get fascinated with anything of that like that uh, KBO maybe? You know, I was actually gonna say not so much different sports, but my favorite sport being played in other places. I was very into KBO. Um, I was waking up at like you know four in the morning to watch games. Um, I yeah. I enjoyed it so much, and I, I low key miss it. They have fun over there. For sure, and I think because again with baseball really being the only of the big four sports. Rapids, so they're they're trying to tease away a spot into the postseason. We'll see what happens. They're, they're crushing over at, at DNVR Rapids. But now's almost the time to dabble in some other sports, see what's going on. Super Rugby, we've got a rugby podcast doing all that. But you can get in on the action with all those kind of things and more when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Again, use promo code DNVR to make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's only with promo code DNVR and only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-522-4700. Susie, is Derek Jeter overrated? We forgot to ask Witten Bernard if he thinks Derek Jeter is overrated. Obviously, <laughs> we were we, going to. <laughs> we were thinking about it. He was we like, I I couldn't tell when before we went on. We obviously we, we caught up with him just a little bit, but it was like I couldn't tell if he wanted in on that action or not. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> he was very diplomatic about it, at at least. So, um, okay. So, I don't know how to answer this question, even though I knew okay. that we were going to talk about this. I love the um, honesty right off the bat. I'm already yes. liking your take right off the bat. Um, I will say that living in Yankees territory for so long. Like I yeah. lived in Connecticut for a long time. Uh, lots of Yankee fans there. Um, lots of people obsessed with Jeter. I always say like, I know like 15, 20 people with dogs named Jeter. I don't know how you take your dog to a ball, a ballpark, a dog park or a ballpark for bark in the park when everyone's got the same name for their freaking dog. So like that kind of stuff annoys me, especially not being a Yankee fan. <laughs> so you know, I uh, get annoyed by the hype, but at the same time, when you really look at what he accomplished during his career, it's like, eh, uh, uh, he was uh, he was good. I will reluctantly yeah. say it. <laughs> I so the long and short of it is, and there's plenty of people out there that that try to sh throw a little bit shade, uh, not just my way. I think both of our ways, because mm -hmm. we are originally from the East Coast, we're not mm -hmm. natives, but it doesn't mean you know we. This is now not our home. Uh, I know, we right? haven't taken this team as our, our, our favorite, and we've done our homework, and we know the history, and we've been here for a very long time. I've been here myself for, for almost a decade at this point. So you might be surprised to hear me say, is Derek Jeter overrated? Yeah, I think he is a little bit. I think wow. he is a little bit. Huh. You know what? I feel like if you are saying it, that means you've dived into some numbers and maybe have – some things to say about that do you have a spreadsheet well, related to <laughs> well my, my two actually better my my two real takes that that relate to this is one saying Derek Jeter is overrated is an overrated take like we've heard it before we get it <laughs> I I understand that part um but again I I also think that if if you think he's so overrated that he's like not a hall of famer 
then you you're really kind of off the grid. It, it, it's an easy thing to dunk on because it's look statistically why again, he has 3000 hits. Like that's kind of the, the be all end all of, of being a hall of famer. So that makes all the sense in the world. 3000 hits, 14 time all-star five time silver slug award winner, five time gold glove award winner. Yes. I know the gold gloves were kind of BS a little bit and that's fine. Now, according to Jaws, a really good system created by uh, Jay Jaffe for you know basically trying to evaluate a player's career, only the 13th best shortstop of all time. So already you go, wait a minute, how can this guy be so legendary, but he's only the 13th best at his position? And it all just boils down to the intangibles. Like His career is very similar to a guy like Barry Larkin, who did actually win an MVP award, uh, got it over Dante Bichette there. Jeter just missed out. Justin Morneau ended up getting that. But it's it's all about the intangibles. Five World Series, seven World Series appearances, 158 postseason games. Susie, he played basically a whole season, extra season, <laughs> over his career. And how well did he do? Batted 308, 20 home runs, 18 stolen bases, 61 RBI. Like that, that is is super important in the mm-hmm. story of Derek Jeter. And the bottom line, who else could you possibly even do a six-part documentary about? in baseball in the last 50 years, who is interesting enough to even do this with? And I get it. That's all part of the overrated piece because the intangibles also go to, to uh, you know, him just doing it in New York. So that's worth bonus points that other guys don't get the benefit of. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I, I, I get that, you know, uh, front and center on Saturday night live Seinfeld, uh, a couple movies, the other guys, anger management. Mm-hmm. So again, that helps, raise the the threshold and and his Q score. He's really the modern day Joe DiMaggio is what he is. And you go back and look at Joe DiMaggio's numbers and you go like, oh, he was was really good, but he probably wasn't even as good as Ted Williams. Also missed some time because he was in the service, again, referring to Joe DiMaggio and not Derek Cheater. But uh, there's a lot of intangibles. And again, growing up in the Northeast, I was – I was very much tired of people talking about how great Derek Jeter was. You know, I'm not a contrarian by any any means, but mm-hmm. like I really thought I'm like, "Oh my god, calm down people." Like about Derek <laughs> Relax. Jeter. Relax. Yeah, calm down. Like he's very good, but calm, like I was the first guy going, "Actually, I don't think his defense is that great." So, I can acknowledge <laughs> all of that. But is he overrated? Yes, I think a little bit. But that take in and of itself is a bit much. If we're talking about just the the what player, if, yeah, out, interesting off the field and all of those things and everything he's tried to do, even with the Marlins getting in on the ownership side, like like there is a lot to this guy. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're also forgetting all the supermodels he's dated. He's just like he's a. Star I don't want to bring up the gift basket. I didn't want to bring up the gift <laughs> basket business, but it's part of the lore. You know, as strange as it is, it's part it of the is, lore. It is. It is. It is absolutely now. Um, I know this becomes even more relevant with the captain. Have you been watching this? I saw the first episode. I've been keeping no, up. Yeah, I actually haven't you even haven't? been watching it. No, <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I will say. So of course, you know, I grew up strongly disliking the Yankees. Uh, those are stories for another time, or maybe for today. But um, I will say, watching that first episode hearing the story of how he was drafted. I, I, it touched my heart a little bit. Like that was his favorite team. That was where he wanted to go. And he, and he got it. It's like manifesting. I love that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, again, you talk about dynasties 
in the last 40 years and you go, okay, the Giants won three in five years, but it was that Yankees team in the late 90s. And there were a lot of guys. That's another piece too, is that there were so many of those those guys that were there. It was, you know, the core four, uh, as you call them there with, with Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Hall of Famer, Andy Pettit, and Jeter. Bernie Williams is there. But then in, in 2009, they win it again. Derek Jeter is is still there. He's still contributing. So there's there is a lot. He he gave the uh, the media a lot to talk about. I mean, there there's guys like Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden, and you go, oh man, those '80s teams. Well, look at their numbers. You know, like look at the the longevity of their career. Did they have that? No. So Jeter had a little bit of everything. He was able to balance all of those things together. Not many people can do it. So if you want to do another last dance like on Michael Jordan, but for baseball, mm-hmm. who would it be from the last 40 years? Maybe Reggie Jackson, I propose, but I don't think he's a likable guy. I've heard mm-hmm. many people having interactions with him. They've never been positive. Uh, I can remember my first memory of, of meeting him was in Cooperstown. I was 12 years old and he was <laughs> trying to buy some artwork. You know, it was before understanding celebrity a little bit and then just being in a small crowd of people. And someone goes, Reggie, we, we sign a ball for, for this kid or my son. And he goes, absolutely. I'm signing over there on the corner tomorrow at 12 o'clock for 50 bucks. And it was like, oh. whoa. Oh, okay, Reg. Like that was like my first introduction. Heard a lot of stories like that. You get it. Okay, it's fine. But he's not likable enough where you could even get that much content out of him. The two other players that I kind of came up with as like maybe you could do some kind of documentary about or, or I don't know that you could do a full series. I said Jose Canseco. Maybe, but how many people today actually really know a lot about Jose Canseco? I think, I don't know that he bridges the generation gap. I think he's like one of just those names that people go, oh, I've, I've heard of him, but I don't care about him enough. He's not brought up in enough positive ways mm-hmm. when you talk about baseball. He's brought up more again in that celebrity status of wild players and it did wild things, mm-hmm. but then did his career kind of follow that Hall of Fame trajectory? Probably not. The only other guy that I could come up with, and it's really early now for the documentaries, but it would not shock me because of how much this guy is beloved. Jeter is both beloved and I think a bit hated, and that's fine. I understand why. You got to be a little polarizing to be popular. If you're not polarizing, are you you doing it? (laughs) I I mean, maybe this guy uh, gets a pass. Maybe he isn't polarizing. I'm sure there's a contingency out there. Maybe they just haven't spoken up, but. Okay. Who are you talking about? David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Oh, yeah. He's not not polarizing at all. He is. Yeah. Okay. There are some Rockies fans right now going, what? 2007? Um, I hate him. Like they just hate him for that. And I get it. And so there are going to be those pockets, of course, but like the guy could get away with, with just about anything and so mm-hmm. he's he's very lovable in he that capacity. is he is and of course i've loved seeing him get so much uh we've seen so many fresh new interviews with him from the past you know week after all the hall of fame stuff so yeah he's got that million dollar smile that's another that's another guy that i've heard a lot about living in boston for a while living in hartford you know you might know that, more than me you might have line. some more stories than i do actually Actually, I mean, David Ortiz played, uh, he was a rock cat for a little bit in New Britain. So he he lived in Connecticut for a while. Thanks for tuning into our Connecticut podcast, everyone. 
Yeah, no, people forget <laughs> that he actually uh, came up with Seattle, debuted, played parts of six seasons with the Minnesota Twins. Like, like you said, the Rockcats, that was their, their affiliate there. So uh, so he knows his way around a pizzeria. Uh, that's why we got to tell you, because we know our way around a pizzeria. Got to <laughs> check out Sexy Pizza. Sexy.pizza is their website. Hand-tossed, deck oven pizza, made from scratch each morning, though. They got four in the Denver area, Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, Park Hill. Sexy Pizza is as local as it gets. They're going on, I think, 14 years here in the Denver community, and they do an amazing job giving back to that community. When you go to www.sexy.pizza, go to their About page for the donations link to find out how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. They even got one down in Trinidad. So, look, if you're away from home, you got to go to the southern part of the state still feel at home with sexy pizza and then when you come back up 15 minutes from downtown denver green mountain dental group have pearly white swat smiles like Susie and myself we, we're looking sharp because they take great care of everyone whether you're a member of dnvr or not green mountain dental group is trying to hook you up because when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam with them you're going to receive a free sonicare toothbrush only at green mountain dental group Susie, i do want to talk about monday night's Rockies game because I, there is a rumor that we are Rockies podcast. There's but, a rumor. <laughs> but while we are on the topic of the Hall of Fame, and maybe we'll have to table some of this, uh, I decided to go online to find out autograph prices because that's a big thing during the Hall of Fame weekend is all the Hall of Famers come back. They signed. There were 58 of the 78 living Hall of Famers were in attendance. And, Good numbers. Uh, yeah, David Ortiz was there. And there's, I don't often see the guys who just got in doing autograph signings, but Poppy had an autograph signing. You could even go and get a photograph with him and Pedro Martinez together. But my question to you, let's see if you've got your finger on the pulse. I, I don't know how you'd possibly guess it, but I have a feeling that you're going to be pretty close. Okay. How much money on the day after David Ortiz gets enshrined in Cooperstown, the Baseball Hall of Fame, how much money is he getting for his autograph? Um, I want to say he seems like a nice guy, a reasonable guy, but got to cash in on that moment. I would say a hundred bucks. Oh, turn her mic down, Kale. $300. $299. Yes. Yes. I think Larry Walker, Larry Walker might've been like 110. And again, he's a new guy. So he's getting a little bit more than on the lower end of the spectrum. Uh, I think like a Dennis Eckersley might be 50 or 60. Uh, so like that, that's what they get. But here's what I thought was interesting that I wanted to bring to the table. Okay. There were all kinds of options for inscriptions because when guys will sign a ball, you know, you can, oh, could you write this thing on it or whatever? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. Sometimes you got to pay extra for that. And there were like, I think 12 different things that you could get him to put on the ball. Some of them were kind of very pedestrian. Ten-time All-Star. All right. David Ortiz, he's a ten-time All-Star. That's really like what you think about? Eh, all right. Last to wear 34. Okay, true. It's retired, but that's not like a thing necessarily that I've heard of. So that's mm-hmm. kind of eh. Three-time Unless World it's Series. like so, – I mean, that's what I will want for my 34th birthday. <laughs> that's it. The yeah, only time I could see that being relevant. But you I'm didn't sorry. Get, continue- yeah, you didn't get one four years ago when that happened? Okay. Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm only in my I'm in my Larry Walker year right now, actually. So <laughs> there we go. I like that. Three-time World Series champ. 
okay, that's fine. But there are other guys that would put that on a ball. So not, you know, mm-hmm. special necessarily for, for him per se. And then curse reverse. Okay. I like that the team did like it, that. not him so much. That's okay. Now they're getting, now here's where it gets good. 2013 world series MVP like that. Not too many of those guys out there. Big poppy. He sign, can sign up below. Okay. I like that. Yeah. 541 home runs. Yes. An elite group hall of fame. 2022, very common, mm-hmm. basic, but classic. I think that's good. And I think these next two are even better than that. You are could get weird? him to sign with the inscription, Boston Strong. I like that. He's remembered like for that. that. Mm-hmm. And then number one on the inscriptions that David Ortiz will sign on this ball that you are, you know, maybe you might have to take a second mortgage on your home, reverse mortgage to pay $299 for <laughs> He will sign it underneath David Ortiz. This is our effing city. Yo! Is that crazy? <laughs> I, I got hyped for that. I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty now, cool. Now, uh, effing or like, will he actually write out the word? On the, advertise, on the advertisement, it just said effing. So I think it might just be that. I'm wondering if the cash cow down the line is, I'll actually spell that word out. And then you got to throw in another 75 bucks, whatever it might be. But I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm down with that. I like that too. I mean, I'm a big fan of profanities. So this is, that's right up my alley. Uh, good for him. Good for him. Cash it in. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not do Why that? Not? Uh, Kyle Freeland cashed in yes. the start of his second half. I wrote about, it. you can get it over on the dnvr.com about kind of what Bud Black expects in the second half from Kyle Freeland, what Kyle Freeland's game is, because his game is not striking out guys, not being that power pitcher. It's getting ground balls. And yet, what does he do in Milwaukee to an offense that had already scored 25 runs in the first three games over the course of 16 hours? He goes (laughs) and shuts them down for seven innings. I think it was four hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. Like, he was on his game. He was on one. And it was wonderful to see at just the right time when they yeah. needed him. Oh yeah, no, it this this that win was so so necessary, and it was so great seeing Kyle Freeland just absolutely cooking. I was so happy to see it. It reminded me of that 2018 Kyle Freeland. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that I mean, and that's the guy that obviously he wants to try to get back to in 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 some shape or form and it it was good to to see that because his last three or four starts uh, in fact his last four starts his ERA kind of started to creep up just a little bit and so i think he needed that break and so that was great to uh to see him you know reset in that capacity we'll uh, we'll see how well uh, Edmond Marquez resets uh here against the Chicago White Sox on Tuesday night against Mike Kopech uh, on Wednesday, we'll have a post-game show on Wednesday. Lucas Giolito against Antonio Senzatella. Do you know who's – I still have more about the game, but uh, we're getting okay. sidetracked in, in good ways. I love getting sidetracked. Do you know whose brother is going to be in the uh, White Sox dugout? In the, or I should say White Sox clubhouse. What member of the Rockies' 40-man roster is in the White Sox clubhouse? This, this I, is a good trivia pause for I anyone have, listening to the podcast. I have no idea, Patrick. Who? Jimmy Lambert, brother of Peter Lambert. Yeah, your mic cut out. Right? There. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was like, 
did I like did I get his name wrong? Like that I would have be, been yeah. Yeah, he's no, the older uh, brother, but... believe it or not. Uh made his debut after Peter, but we know Peter's had uh, you know, those arm issues since you know twenty nineteen. And then Peter coincidentally made his debut in Chicago at Wrigley Field. So kind of those the Chicago connections there uh with the Lambert family. Uh one of the other things that ended up going down on uh on Monday night, uh Daniel Bard, of course, gave Rockies Nation a another heart attack, but got out of that situation. He is the light show. Folks, Daniel Bard is the light show, whether you like it or not. He is. Uh, Jose Iglesias left the game. I think he fouled the ball off of his foot. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I expect him probably have the, the get the day off on Tuesday. And Chris Bryant also having some foot issues. He's going to get checked out here in Denver. So we might be missing him in the lineup uh, on Tuesday. For the first time, the White Sox coming back since 2017. And the last time they were here, they nearly got no hit by Kyle Freeland, had the no-hitter into the ninth inning. It's What was the date? July 7th, I want to say. Okay. I was there. That's why so if you get tickets, a friend invited me. I said, sure thing. Friend that wasn't even a huge baseball fan. But we were there. We went. It was hot. No-hitter into the ninth, and then Melky Cabrera broke it up, that SOB. I was watching that game on TV. I remember it well. I did not remember the date because I'm not an encyclopedia like you. But yeah, good good times back then. Um, we'll see what happens in this upcoming White Sox series. Yeah, yeah, they're they're scrapping a little bit. Uh, I spoke with uh, Josh Nelson of the of the Sox Machine the other day, and I was I was a little surprised. Like, what what's been going on with the White Sox? Like, the Twins are in first place. It's supposed to be the White Sox running away with this thing kind of like they should have last year and they did win the division, but you know, they didn't really run away with it per se. And it, it does sound like when the Phillies moved away from Joe Girardi, the White Sox should have moved away from Tony La Russa and they just haven't been able to get back on track. They've been a little bit banged up, but yeah. they, they sound, they sounded almost identical to the Phillies as far as what the defense is and in the outfield and, you know, they've just got a bunch of big guys and they go station to station. The defense has been somewhat questionable. So that's kind of what you should uh, expect from the White Sox. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Rockies end up taking two games here uh, yeah. in this short set. And they're going to they're gonna need to pad it, things a little bit here before the Dodgers come to town. Or, or are you of the mindset to want them to lose? Like, that's what's so strange. Like, that's the, t- that's, that's the tanking oh. mindset, right? Yeah. You want them to lose so it makes it, a little more clear, a little more obvious, a little more blatant that the Rockies should trade their piece, some of their pieces away mm. in order to get better for the near future or even three, four years down the line. And it's not going to be Marquez. It's not going to be, could be Marquez, but probably not going to be Marquez, not going to be McMahon. It's not going to be, it's not going to be the guys that you're wearing. If you have a player's jersey, there's a 99% chance it's not any of those guys. Anyone that just came in, that maybe you haven't even seen in person yet because you haven't been to the stadium this year. Let that let that guy go. If they're gonna be a free agent at the end of the year, go make a move. But the question is, how many games do the Rockies have to lose in the next week for it to be obvious that <laughs> that, that they need to make moves? Because that's like the real question. <laughs> I mean, they could win for the next week, and I don't necessarily think there's enough there to say, you know, continue to go forward. Or that's the other thing too, with this, that I think is frustrating a lot of Rockies fans. If they go and 
you know, what, what's the magic number here in the next six games? They go four and two. So they, they take two from the White Sox. They split with the Dodgers. And you go, hey, that was good. They split with the Dodgers. And, yeah, that's the word. That's, that's the operative word. Good. It's not great. But they go four and two. And you go, oh, maybe we should acquire players. Maybe we should give up players from our farm system to get better. And what? Maybe get two games as the third wild card. And again, that's if everything goes really right. It's hard because you don't want to give up on a season, especially when you have so much talent. And especially when you go and look back at that 2017. Were they special before they started winning in September? I, that's that's the question. Now, the players, if you ask them, they they felt that you know they were special. They 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 felt that, and then it came together and they made the run, made the World Series. But I think if you would you were to ask teams from last year, if you would ask teams from maybe 2016 and say, hey, are you guys special? They would have said, yeah. And those are teams that were below 500. And so they were wrong. So, you know, it, it's, it's almost like, you know, how can you put your finger on it? How can you evaluate or equate chemistry, right, to, to know what the future holds? And at some point, you just have to, you, you may need to just cut your losses rather than hope for the best. But that might be the unfortunate lesson that was learned in 2007 is, hey, if you stand pat, maybe things will just kind of work out and you just cross your fingers and hope. And I think I love, there's a lot of Rockies fans out there that are frustrated because there very much is a strategy of cross your fingers and hope. If everything does break right, they'll go to the postseason rather than let's really try to create a window here in two, three years that you don't have to cross your fingers quite as much because now it just makes sense when you look at the depth of the big league roster. So look, we're not, uh, we're not in the front office. We're not making those decisions. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And uh, we'll be there. We'll be there in San Diego to kind of break it down when it does happen mm-hmm. or when it doesn't happen. Either way, something's going to happen. <laughs> we'll have our takes. We'll want to hear what your takes are out there for the happening. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You get your. That. I don't think get, that's that's anything. No, definitely not. Yeah, get those hot <laughs> takes flowing and drop them in the members only Discord because we want to hear them. I, I drink hot takes instead of coffee, so feed them to me. What what what's what's your sense on what the Rockies are going to do at the deadline? Do you see them trading nobody, one or two players or or three? I mean, they've got about four or five that other teams are, are definitely coveting, I think would pay a, a, a fair price for, but I don't think they're going to go that high. What, what is your inkling right now on, uh, on July 26th? Zero, one, two, or negative one players, which means they actually acquire players. That's how that <laughs> math works. <laughs> um, I, I just, from experience, I feel like we're not going to see anything. I would be inclined to guess zero. Um, but maybe one, definitely. I don't see a lot happening. I don't think that's a hot take. I think your instinct is correct because it's, it's been surprising. There's been times in which I ask other people that whose opinions I respect for, for their takes and I haven't agreed with them Mm -hmm. and I've, I've been right. And there's other times I've been wrong. And this is a case where everyone keeps saying, no, they'll do something. They'll probably trade two guys which again, isn't enough to really move the needle, but my gut is telling me it, it will be less. So I, I, I have to trust kind of myself more than anyone else, even if it is a consensus. And so I I think one is that, that right number. 
So you you saying zero yeah, makes me feel a lot better about going with with the one, go, re- reducing those expectations just a little bit. Unfortunately, I yeah. think it might just be one. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll keep an eye on things. Make sure we say our goodbyes to anyone who we <laughs> think might be leaving. Is that we? Are we going to do that after uh, every post game? Just say goodbye to a guy, just just yeah, in case. Okay. Just in case. Goodbye. It was great covering you. <laughs> Are you? Will you be saying that to Chris Bryant today? Is just in case, or is that also part of his contract that neither of us has seen? And legally, we have to say we haven't seen it, and we're making that up. But will you be saying that, either contractually or otherwise? You know what? I think you're going to see me going around to guys, being like, "Hey, goodbye. It's great knowing you. Legally, this is a joke." I'll have to see if I can get a little lipstick cam to see like the look on Bud's black Bud Black's face and be like, me? No, wait, I listened to the podcast. You said it was only gonna be players. And like, well, Susie, look, she ran with it. She's telling clubhouse attendants. She's talking to our homie Michael outside the clubhouse. Oh Just my in gosh. case you cover all Michael, your bases. I know. Michael can't get traded. Not our he's guy, too valuable. He's no, 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 a no. he's a former employee of the month. Yeah, he's yeah, he's in the running for employee of the year, if you ask me. He's yeah, uh, he's great, but uh, and we're great, and and so is our Twitter account because we're gonna have a lot of fun all week long, all week long over at DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. I'm at Patrick D Lyons on Twitter, and I am at the Susie Hunter on all platforms. Man, we've got so much momentum here, but you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as your next show. So we'll talk to you after Wednesday night's game. <laughs>